Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Go ahead and stand and hold your Bibles up high. I, I, I got to tell you guys, I, I am from rural Oklahoma, okay? You didn't even, I mean, it was hard to get any appreciation for anything other than mowing the lawn and doing all that stuff. So, Suli said, can I do this? I wrestle with it. So, please, those of you that have trouble with it, scratch it off the list. It's only one month out of the year, and, uh, you know, we'll get through this. I used to have a hard time with people even praying for me. So, there's a certain amount of pride I'm dealing with right now that's being <laughs> extremely crushed. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen may be seated. I just want to take a moment and, and really appreciate uh, Pastor Jesse. Um, you know, without him and his willingness to shoulder this with me would be extremely difficult. And as much as you might think you appreciate me, I want him to be appreciated equally because he does such a great work here and in prisons throughout Oklahoma. And... Um, we are a team, whether we like it or not, and we are, we've been together a long time, and I am very honored to have him in my corner, and uh, if I was going to war, he'd be my number one pick, so appreciate my brother, too, because uh, we're in this together and couldn't do it without him. So anyway, I've been doing this series called Look and See, and uh, basically the idea behind this was to get us to really open our eyes uh, a lot of the world today is sleepwalking. Uh, they're moving. They're doing things, but, but they're not alert. They're not aware. And, and a lot of that is because of all the chaos that we are experiencing right now around the world. And a lot of people are afraid, living in fear. And, uh, but the Bible tells us God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a love and a power and a sound mind. And so what we do in times like these oftentimes is we, what I call, settle. Uh, we don't really push through difficulty, we hang on in difficulty. And uh, it's very difficult sometimes when you're hanging on to say, God, I'm going to let go and I'm going to move on. I'm going to look beyond my crisis. I'm going to look beyond my situation. And if think about it this way. I've said it many times. If you don't love yourself, you'll really have a hard time loving others. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you don't love you, you don't have love to give. And that, that goes against the grain of, of a lot of uh, secular thinking that, well, isn't it arrogant to love yourself? No, it's not because God made you. And so what you're saying is, God, I love who you made me to be. And, and we all have uh, deficiencies. We all have idiosyncrasies. We all come up short. And, it, and we're not loving the things that we can't do or don't do, we're loving the person God made us to be. And so in the same way, if your idea of life is, I'm just going to have a good life, 
then that's the level that you will live at, and that's the level everybody around you will live at. And again, good is not bad, but uh, better and best is better than good. Make sense? So the idea is to press beyond good. And sometimes when we think we're pressing God a little too hard or asking God for a little too much, the devil loves it when we think that way because it keeps us in a place at best that's good or maybe a little better. And so what I call it is you go from survival to revival to thrival where a lot of people just, you know, are surviving. I grew up in a survival neighborhood. I learned survival skills uh, relationally, not just surviving with food and so on and so forth. But a lot of times we just survive relationally. Our marriages, our relationships with others, coworkers, kids. You say, well, I have a good relationship. The question I would ask is that can that relationship get better? Do you look and see that it can get better? If you don't look and see, you'll never move beyond the good that you're experiencing. So the question I continually ask myself, what can I do to improve my relationship with my wife? What can I do to improve my relationship with my children? How can I, how can I let them know that I am wanting to elevate them? Well, first off, I have to believe in elevation. I have to believe that I can elevate. And if I see that elevation is a part of God's Word, and I believe it is, then I can help take others to that place. The real challenge is is that we often sell ourselves short. If you would, turn in the Bible to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And... uh, I'm going to go ahead and begin with verse 22. It says, When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to speculate for a moment why Jesus led him out of the village. Sometimes you have to remove yourself from the crowd, from the naysayers, from the criticism, in order to experience what Jesus wants you to experience. I think partial reason that Jesus let him out of the village was for that reason. There were going to be people that were going to doubt, people that were going to shout, people that were going to be critical, possibly. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Now, it's very interesting that Jesus would ask that question because he knew all things. He knew everything, and and Jesus knows all things about us. But sometimes, I believe, if you will, in our heart, he asks the same question. And he's asking this man a question. Maybe I think it's to elevate his faith, because I want you to listen to what happens next. The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. Now, most of us would have said, Man, at least, at least I can see, I can see them. It's not clear, but at least I can see them. And we stop right there. I don't want to bother Jesus. I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to irritate Jesus. I don't want to offend Jesus like that would be possible. <clears throat> but this man had the courage, and Jesus is pulling faith out of him. And sometimes when you're going through something and it's just good, 
we say, but I don't want to bother God. How greedy of me to press in. God's saying, I want you to press. As you press, I'm pulling. I'm trying to get the most out of you. I'm trying to get the best in you. So I got to get the things out of you that are occupying the place for your best. And it goes on to say, they look like trees walking around. This is what I call spiritual cataracts. And folks, let me tell you, I had cataracts. And I had surgery. And it was so amazing because I, I literally, things were cloudy. <clears throat> and some of you have them. You don't want to admit it because you think it's an AIDS thing. But even in your 30s, the doctor encouraged me. He told me this. He, even in your 30s, you can have cataracts. And, so, and some of you have them right now. You don't know it. And I knew it. And I thought, I cannot live this way. Now, I, I wore contacts had glasses, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, nowadays kids wear glasses with no, they're not even prescription, they just think they look cool. Yeah. Dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And some of y'all, if I offended you right there, I'm sorry, but uh, maybe you do look sexier with them, I don't know. But all you got to do is wear them because you need them, and that will stop. And uh, I'm not trying to be offensive, I don't have to try very hard. Anyway, so, this man says they look like trees walking. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was, listen, completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. He could see everything clearly. God wants us to see everything clearly, not partially, completely. And the challenge is, is moving from partiality, just partial or almost or good, to that place where, God, I want the best. And see, religious people will tell you that you want too much. Look, isn't it good enough that you get to go to heaven? Is it, isn't it good enough that you're walking around? Isn't it good enough that you can now at least see kind of people moving? See, this is what the devil wants us to land on. It's just, it's okay. Just be good. But when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, to have that abundant life doesn't just magically happen. And it doesn't happen easily, let me say. It happens because of a tenacity, a faith that says, I know there's more than what I'm experiencing. And the challenge is many people that go to church or Christians don't know that there is more than what they're experiencing. And when you tell them that, they say, well, that's just too much. Why would I? I don't want to bother God. Do you think your little menial problem can exhaust the God who made the galaxies, who created every cell in your body? That is impossible for us to exhaust the, the resources of heaven. But what happens is we get to that place where we're convinced this is as good as it gets. And, and, and then what we start doing is comparing our lives with our mom and dad's life or our grandparents' life. And we know throughout time people have improved their way of life. But I can't compare uh, my life with my dad's upbringing. He grew up extremely poor, 12 people in his family, didn't have a pair of shoes until he was five years old. And, and so what I could have done is said, well, I got a pair of, of baby booties. That's what they used to call them, baby shoes. 
My mom actually thought so highly of us, all three of us. She had them bronzed back in the day. Some of y'all, I, I bronzed baby booties. So I could easily say, well, I'm better off than my dad. I'm doing better than my father did. And, and that would be true. But it doesn't mean I'm doing the best that God has for me. And so it's, the devil wants us to settle on good and stay right there. Now, in Numbers chapter 32, verse 1, it says the tribes of Reuben and Gad owned vast numbers of livestock. In other words, they were blessed. So when they saw the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds, they came to Moses, Eleazar, Eleazar the priest, and other leaders of the community. And then they sent notice to all these towns. And the Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel. And it is ideally suited for our livestock. If we found favor with you, please let us have this land as our property instead of giving us a land across the Jordan River. In other words, we're going to settle here. But how many of you know God says, I'm taking you to a place flowing with milk and honey? Not just a place where your livestock's going to be good, but a place where everything about you and everything, about, uh, everything you own is going to be beyond good. It's going to be the best it can be. But these two and a half tribes decided, you know, we've got a lot of livestock and we really want them to be taken care of. As much as God might like your livestock and your animals, God really loves you more. He didn't die for a cow. He died for you. And so what we do is we tend to have this look and say, well, you know, we, we don't have to make bricks anymore. We don't have to get our own straw to make the bricks. We don't have to get beat every day. We're not under the authority and control and dominion of Egypt. And they, they all of a sudden, anything looks good, right? Anything looks good because you're now in a free place to do what you want and make decisions on your own. And these two and a half tribes decided, we think this is good enough. The Bible doesn't say God is the God of good enough. He's the God of more than enough. And so if we're not careful in our false humility, in our religiosity, we reduce God to the capacity that we have instead of the capacity he wants us to have. You see, every soul has a capacity. You have a capacity. Some people's stress levels are really, I mean, they can go way high and deal with stress. Other people, it's just very minimal. And, and some of you say, this is as good as it gets for me. And if that's as good as you want it to be, then that's what it'll be. But you don't have to be afraid of things you're afraid of. You don't have to have the same stress level and say, well, you know, my stress level is just really low. You can say, God, give me the capacity to handle more because let me tell you something. The world is always going to drive more at you. So you have to elevate your soul and see God is beyond you. And you have to see beyond your crisis, see beyond your needs, see beyond today. doesn't mean you live there, but you have to see beyond it and say, God, I know there is more beyond where I'm at right now. There's more than what I have right now. And, and so when he said, <laughs> he gives back good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, God's saying, look, this is me. And God has revealed himself throughout the Bible as, as being this awesome God. And, and oftentimes, people get confused. Old Testament, 
there was very little talk except out of Genesis when the, the snake or the, the devil came to Eve. We know that he came and, and, and tempted and she succumbed to temptation. But we have to understand the Old Testament figures saw God as total authority, good and bad. Anything that bad happened must have been God because they saw God as he really was high and lifted up. But they didn't see him as God is love. That came under the new covenant. God revealed himself as, I'm not the one that did the bad things that you think I did in the Old Testament. It was credited to me. But in the New Testament, God reveals his real character. God is love. He wants to, he wants to give. He wants to bless. He wants to do all these things. And so in the Old Testament, it was a whole different perspective. And, and so much so that it, it, in my studies in theology, the, the question that I was presented with as I was going through these classes, was is the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament one and the same? Because there seemed to be so much difference. Well, let me tell you why there was a difference. There's an old covenant, an old way, and a new covenant and a new way. There was an old way to see things, and then the new covenant says, no, I'm going to reveal who I really am when I send my son. And that's why Jesus became such a pivotal figure, not just because he was the son of God, but it revealed the character and nature of God through his son who went around doing good and healing all who were in sick and oppressed of the devil. He said, no longer are you going to just live with this and learn to live with this. Because oftentimes we adjust to things instead of saying, I'm going to change the things instead of adjust to the things. I've told this story many times. My dad, the only thing my dad did with me when we were young, because he worked all the time, he taught me to golf. And, and the thing I learned about golf was it's a very hard game. And, and, and that when I first started playing golf, I had this horrid slice. It, it wasn't even attractive. It was like, so if you, you wanted to play golf with me, you never lined up on the right because it was going to go that way. Well, then I learned that you could, you could compensate so you would line up differently so that the slice would then go way left out of the fairway and then back into the fairway. Well, you live with that for a while, but guess what happens? You lose about 20 to 30 yards on that drive because it's going way looping around. What I learned later was, instead of compensating, correct it. And so, oftentimes, in Christianity, we compensate. We say, well, you know, I get mad easy, so I'm just not going to go around anybody. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could go around people and not get mad? So, you compensate, say, I can't go to that place. I can't be around them. I can be around pretty much anybody. I mean, I can name a few people that I can't be. And I really need Jesus like a, like a lot of Jesus. And, and, but for the most part, I said, you know, I'm not going to live my whole life compensating for my weaknesses. I'm going to correct them and turn them into my strengths. And so I'm not just going to live a good life. I'm after living my best life. And I want to challenge us to live our best life and not settle like we saw this blind man had the courage to say, I can only see barely. Not completely. I, I, I see movement, but I don't see people. And he said, Jesus, I, this is the case. This is, because most of us go, this is great. Thank you, Jesus. Please. I thank you. Just, I know you got I, bigger fish to fry. This blind man said, no, I want my sight completely. And so he's honest with Jesus. He said, I can only see a little bit. 
So Moses asked the men of Gad and Reuben, why do you want to discourage the rest of the people from going across to the land the Lord has given them? Your ancestors did the same thing when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. This was when uh, they were looking at the promise and Caleb and, and Joshua and ten other spies, one from each tribe of Israel, went in to spy out the land. And only two of them came back with a good report. The rest of them came back with a perspective of grasshoppers, that we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, I want to know who had that conversation. They, did they go up and interview? How do we look to you? Did somebody from that land say you look like grasshoppers? No. They, they just had that image, that lack of capacity to believe that God really wanted them to experience the best and go all the way into a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, some of you may be in a job right now that you, you would say it's a dead-end job, but it's good. And that's okay. I mean, you know, if that's the way you want to live. But what if you said, I know this is not God's best for me. It takes courage to think that way. It takes courage to act that way. This is not God's best for me. So, God, I, I appreciate. I'm thankful for what I have. But I feel like there's more than this. And that's when you start praying and looking to see beyond the job you're in, uh, the house you're in, whatever it might be. And this stretches us. Because what it says is, and some of you are being stretched right now, going, man, I, I don't, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm glad you're okay. But, but if, I want you to be able to say, you know what? I'm living my very, very best life right now. I'm living, and I'm going to keep living my best life. Because let me tell you, it's like, I don't know if, 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 if King of the Mountain, did you ever play that in school? I mean, we didn't have video games. I mean, when we played games, somebody could potentially get hurt. Now all the kids are going to get carpal tunnel. But, but we play king of the mountain, and that meant if somebody could get you off the mountain, they could become king. And, and so it, it's, it, you had to maintain your position, your high position. And as a Christian, and when you want your best and you get to the best, you have to maintain that position. You don't just get there and stop praying. You don't get there and stop thinking. And you don't get there and stop being grateful. You get up there and you say, God, I'm, I've risen to a level that, that I believe you want me to be at. And you, you, you stay there. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down and not cut them out. To bring out the best in others. This is why we speak to people about who they can become, not who they are. If you have a, for instance, if you have a kid that's not doing well, I used to tell my kid, you're victors, not victims. You're victors, not victims. You're victors, not victims. Because in this world today, everybody wants to be a victim because it pays pretty well. But we're called to be victors, not victims. And so I drilled this into my kids their whole life. And they'll tell you, what did dad say? They'll tell you, you are a victor, not a victim. I didn't want them to have this mentality that the world owed them anything. That anybody owed them anything because nobody owes them a thing. And that means that they have to step up and believe God for the best that he has. I wanted to move them in that direction, and, and that's why I spent my life doing raising them. Now they're all adults and making a living. 
Hallelujah. Man, when all my kids got employed, my youngest graduated this year from uh, UCO. And, and uh, I tell you, it's been bliss for the last four months. <laughs> Except when she gets married and I have to pay. We've got to figure that one out. So now I, rather than saying have a blessed day, I say have a best day. Have a best day. I pray that you have a best day, which means that that's the ultimate blessing of God, that you have the best day. And you send people off, tell your kids, have a, have a best day. They'll never forget it. So in one translation in the Bible, it says, God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they've already passed. Romans 4, I said, and, and, and he's, in one translation, he speaks of those things that are not as though they were. You know, growing up in most churches back in our day, and if you're young, maybe that, that's, you're not aware of this, but we were never taught uh, how to use the Bible. We, we were taught how to carry it. We weren't even taught how to read it because, after all, if you can read King James, you're better than me. And, and so we were just taught that it was a holy Bible, and it was almost like if you had a Bible. They used to have family Bibles, and it sat on the coffee table, and it was too big for anybody to carry. You had to get a forklift. I mean, it was a big Bible. And, and really, it was almost like it was our way of saying to the devil, don't come in our house. We don't know what it says, but it does say holy Bible. And so we didn't even know how to extract from the Word of God the best of God. When things start looking better is when we often settle for good. So better is that pivotal thing. It's better, but is it the best? Or you say, it's better, therefore it's good. Well, you've got more than good in you. Some of the things that oppose the best, fatigue, you get tired, not just physically, mentally, emotionally, tired, you're thinking, you're trying to figure things out, and you get exhausted. It's, it's the reality of our humanity. The second thing that opposes us from going from where we are to where God wants us to be is criticism. There will be people closest to you that will criticize you for believing for God's best. Well, can't you just be happy? How ungrateful are you? Look at everything God's already done for you. You ought to just be satisfied. You ever heard those words? Instead of saying, you know what, I'm, I love God, and I'm so grateful for everything he's done, but I know this, he's a good God, and he is a God that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, and that he has the very best for me, going from glory to glory. I'm the apple of his eye. All these things you don't hear when somebody wants to prove to you that you are an ungrateful Christian. I'm an extremely grateful Christian. I'm grateful for everything God's done. But I want to, you to know that my Father has endless resources beyond what we can think, ask, or imagine. And that we need to tap into those. And it does come by design. In other words, it has to be intentional because we are surrounded by negativity. Further opposition. Just to name a few things that keep us from seeing beyond. When Abraham, in Genesis chapter 17, 
when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. The Hebrew word for God Almighty is El Shaddai. And some of you have heard it. They used to write songs about all this back in the day, El Shaddai. And, uh, but it means the God who is more than enough, and listen to this, more than sufficient. It means that he has the power to complete promises of blessing and prosperity. Now, grasp this because in the New Testament it does say his grace is sufficient for us. In other words, it's, it's okay. But he said, I'm still the God of more than enough. And I'm the God of more than just sufficiency. Now, I love the sufficiency of God. But when he says he's more than enough, he's more than sufficient, I want the more than sufficient. And, and I used to pray, God, give me the grace to preach. And that's, honestly, there are times I felt his grace and did not feel his anointing. Now, Jesse will tell you, there are times you get up and you can't, you can't find a point to make. You're like, where am I going? It's like flying in the clouds, baby. I'm up, sometimes I'm preaching and I'm going, I don't know what I'm saying. And if I don't know what I'm saying, I don't know where I'm going. No, I've had days where I went home and I said, Jesus, you made a mistake calling me. Today, I couldn't even find a place to land this thing. But I realized that in the midst of all of that, God's best is still there for me. The desert life, as they were in the wilderness can cause those spiritual cataracts, that spiritual cloudiness, that lack of faith. It's difficult. It's hard. But can you imagine those guys finally going, you know what? We're going to fight through this. We're not going to quit. We're not just going to settle on the, the wrong east side. There will always be east side voices. They camped east of the river. Moses said, you're going to have to go in and fight. And they said, we'll go in and fight, but we're coming back to the east side. And it wasn't the side that God had planned for them. It was good, good for their livestock. But it wasn't God's best. And sometimes we look and say, well, I guess that's good enough. And, and, you, and there's this false humility, this sense of humility that's really not authentic humility. It just says, I've lost my energy, I've lost my faith, or I've, I've excused myself to not press beyond where I'm at. You see, I, I fight this all the time to the press of, well, you know, I mean, it's good to be here. It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it would be easy for me to sell that. But in my spirit, inside me, I go, God, I know this is not the best. I know I'm not there yet. And guess what? If I will fight the rest of my life to experience the best of God, and in the best of God is the rest of God. When you get to the best, you find rest. When you get to good, you know what you should be doing. I'm just trying to bring a little Dr. Seuss into the... But some of our frustrations that we can't identify are simply what I'm talking about today. You're, you're good. Things are good. You're okay. But Jesus didn't say, I come that you might have okay. 
You see, it stretches us. And here are just closing with these thoughts. While Moses talked about the promise beyond, the people spoke of the problems that left behind. While Moses cried out to God, the people cried out in criticism to Moses. Now, just think about this just for a moment. We, we look at Moses, the great leader, the, the one that led them out of Egypt, and we think, you know, he had, he had God's hand on his life, and he did. But the people of God, the people of God voiced the criticism of Moses, the man of God. And as a result, it says those that, that were, many stayed out, only those 20 years and younger went in because the older people were criticizing Moses saying, we're not stopping. Joshua was saying, we're not stopping here. We could camp here. We could stay on this side of the Red Sea. We could stay, well, they couldn't because Egypt was behind them. God swallowed them up in, when the Red Sea collapsed on. But on the Jordan, it was a flood stage. So why don't we just stay here? We got a great river flowing. We can camp here. It's going to be a plush place. But somehow those leaders said, this is not God's best. Jericho, the last great walled city between them and the promise, they could have said, this is too much for us. No. Some of them in the camp of Israel said, we will not settle for anything less than God's best. We're going to press through. We're not going to use excuses. We're going to believe God. While Moses wanted to move forward, the people were busy looking backward at the Egyptian army. While Moses was prepared to raise his staff, the people were busy raising questions. While Moses looked to the cloud of God, the people were clouded with fear. Don't be one of those people. God has incredible things for us. But they don't come easy, and I wish they did. I was telling somebody this morning, I said, every Saturday night is a preacher's biggest fight because we're getting ready to stand up on Sunday morning and talk to you about the things of God. While y'all are having fun, sleeping in, going out, hanging out on Saturday night, preachers are home going, oh, Jesus, you better show up. (laughs) My wife will tell you, I don't do much ever on Saturday nights because I'm in a fight. Every Saturday night, sound like an Elton John song. It is a fight. And then Sunday morning you get up, and typically, if, if you, you know, the devil just will use anything and everything to, to keep you from getting to his house and getting your toolbox loaded with more tools, spiritually speaking, to fight the good fight of faith. So that you fight the good fight of faith to get to the best side of faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. Look beyond where you are right now. Because there's so much more beyond where we are right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us with everything you have. So much so that you loved us with your only son. You are a good God. A God that is holding so much for us that we can't even imagine what that looks like. So, Lord, I'm praying right now for everyone listening to this message in-house and those listening online. God, that you would create more capacity, that we would give up space, that we to worry, fear, and that we would make room, Lord, for more of you, more of what you have, more of who you are, With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a simple prayer that will make a profound difference in your life. If you haven't accepted Christ, this simple prayer will make you a believer. 
The Bible says simply call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And that's what we're going to do right now. I want to ask all of you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I'm going after my best. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, I'm going to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Put your name and just SAVED on there. We'll be praying for you. If you're in-house and prayed that prayer, we'll have a prayer team to the left in a moment. And uh, visit them and say, today I gave my life to Jesus. And, of course, they're available for, to pray for you for anything in your life, whether you need a job, relationships, health, whatever it might be. They're available to pray with you and pray for you. At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And, again, let me just say thank you to those of you who have said, I know there's more, and I believe in sowing and reaping and so many of you have been so faithful to give, and I want to thank you for that. And just as a reminder, uh, the QR code behind me, you can put your smart, smartphone on that. It'll take you to the giving platform. Otherwise, you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. You can do that any day of the week, 24 hours a day, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it. So, again, just text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226, and it will direct you to set up a, a debit card or credit card, and you can give that way if you so desire. You can also go online, mosaicokc.church forward slash give on our website, or you can give on your way out, or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, 73132. I want to thank all of you for doing that. Also, there are a couple of other things I want to introduce you to, and I believe that one of the best ways to experience God's best is to help others experience their best. And so when you serve, you are helping others get to their best place. This is not a pitch, folks. This is truth. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. If the Son of God had the purpose in him to serve, don't you think we should too? And so you say, well, but you know, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. We all have time to do the things we want to do. I, 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 somebody called me on that one time and said, man, I really want to get together. I hadn't seen this guy. He's a real good friend of mine. Really was. But I hadn't seen him in a long time. I said, man, when I saw him, I said, I really want to get together with you. He said, no, you don't. Shock me. This is how friends respond to get you to your best. And he said, if you really wanted to, you would. And I said, you know what? You're right. So I just lied to you. So don't tell somebody, I'd really, let's get together. And I really want to get together with you unless you really mean it because they might be friend enough to call you on it. And so I just tell people, I don't want to get with you anymore. It's great to see you. And it was, but <laughs> if I don't see you anytime soon, it's okay. Anyway, so, but um, really, it's so important you serve. So if you want to serve, text the word serve, listen to this, to 405-513-10. Your name and number, and we'll have one of our staff call you and get you plugged in. And listen, if you're a greeter or an usher, you're getting here 15 minutes before service and you're done. I mean, that's, it's a real simple process. If you're working with kids, you only have them now for 35 minutes because I cut a bunch of that out. They're in here now bothering you while we're worshiping. Not really. You're in here training them and teaching them while we're worshiping. And so uh, 
you know, we've made it so simple for you to serve and not have to spend just an enormous amount of extra time because we know that you've got a life and we want you to enjoy that life. But we also know that we need people to serve and help other people become their best, okay? If this is your first time here, uh, we have a gift for you at the Welcome Kiosk. Please stop by and pick it up. If you want to get on my call, my Wednesday night call, uh, just text the word call to that same number, 405-513-10. Technology is wonderful. It directs it all to the right places. And uh, I just do about a minute and a half, at the most two minutes, because that's where we capped it. But it's just a midweek inspirational call that will encourage you. Also, uh, follow us on social media, Mosaic Church OKC or Mark Anthony Crow. Used to hate that middle name. Still not in love with it. But anyway, uh, we'd love to have you participate throughout the week. And let you know that we're praying for you, okay? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left side of the stage. Uh, your right, my left. If you need prayer for any reason at all, please see one of them, and uh, they will pray for you. We're going to go out with a shout of hallelujah on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.